All right, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Welcome all of you if you're visiting with us today. Glad that you're here. Glad to see all of you uh, here at New Life Baptist Church. And if you're joining us online, we're grateful to have you there as well, faithfully attending uh, there. And hopefully, um, as much as you can online, we hope that you feel welcomed and are edified as well by being with us, joining us there, uh, always wanting to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through His Word and through our encouragement toward one another. Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, this morning I will pick up at verse 11 and read through verse 16. If you would join me there, Ephesians 4 verse 11, I'll start reading, uh, I'll start reading there for us. This is the word of the Lord. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word to our hearts this morning. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we come not needing to hear the wisdom of men. Lord, not desiring to have our faith built upon the wisdom of men. But, Lord, we do desire to have our faith built upon the power of God. And Lord, just as the church of old was commended to God and to the word of His grace, which was able to build them up and to give them an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So, Lord, we are commended to and, Lord, come to You and Your Word that we too might be built up. 
and have an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So, Lord, use your word among us today. Let it run swiftly and be glorified. And, Lord, I pray these things today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, as we come here to today's message, I've entitled this, Grace Gifts Get Us Where We Are Going. Grace gifts get us where we're going. We talked about grace gifts from Ephesians chapter 4 uh, last week. And let's do a little review, okay? Y'all up for that this morning? Quick review. All right, so as we look at these uh, verses, and you can start at verse 11. Actually, let's go back up and start at verse 7. In verse 7, how many have received grace in the form of a gift, a measurement, something that Christ has measured out? How many? You see it there? Each one. All right. Verse 7. We see each one of us, uh, grace was given. Now let's go down to verse 11. What are some? You know that each one is not uh, these, but some have been given out. What are the four gifts that are highlighted here in verse 11? What's the first one? Apostles. Then the second one? Prophets. The third Evangelist, and then the last, uh, then that that last one's kind of coupled together. There, it's what pastors. pastors and teachers. All right, so we saw that last week. Now you go down to verse twelve. Uh, why were these given? For two reasons. I'll give you a little hint. I know it's early on Sunday morning, but I'll give you a little hint here. It starts with both words start with an E. Why were those gifts given? To do what for the church? To equip the church and to Edify the church, right there. Both of those are found in that verse. Equipping of the saints for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, if you go down to verse 13, here we find three to four reasons. Uh, we'll say four is what I gave you last week. But four reasons as to why or what these gifts or these offices bring about in the church. They equip and they edify and and actually, the point was there that how long are grace gifts needed? Grace gifts are needed until we all come to what? Unity of the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God. And until we come to a, to a perfect man, to the good measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So gifts are needed until... That happens until that occurs. That perfection in the life of the church occurs where we all grow up to that, that measure together. I want to do something very quickly to remind you of how we connected this when we were going through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to ask you to kind of just highlight in your mind here and your thinking that phrase, a perfect man measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I want to take you to 1 Corinthians 12 to perhaps clarify a phrase that is found there. Uh, so if you'll go there with me, it's actually turning forward in your Bibles, not, not backwards, but to 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm saying 12, but it's actually chapter 13. Chapter 12 is the uh, chapter, as you know, uh, by now, I'm sure, the chapter in, the, in 1 Corinthians that talks a great deal about spiritual gifts. Now, what chapter in Romans talks a great deal about spiritual gifts? Anybody remember? 12. Chapter 12. All right, so let's get those 
etched into our memory that when we want to learn or talk about or teach about spiritual gifts, we don't have to look it up. We know where it's found in the Bible. We know that it's found in 1 Corinthians 12. We know that it's found in Romans chapter 12. We know that it's found in Ephesians chapter 4. You know, bank that. Put that there in your mind so that you don't have to wonder about it. Know it. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know that's, that's the what chapter? Love chapter, that's right. That's the love chapter. It talks about, and it's intentionally put there, not for wedding ceremonies, but it is intentionally put there because they were getting spiritual gifts all out of whack. They were focused more on the gift than they were on loving one another and on edifying one another. They were looking more at themselves and what great gift they could have rather than loving the church. And that's why 1 Corinthians 13 is where it is. And it's right in the middle of talking about gifts, and it even talks about gifts itself. Now, let's go down to verse 8 and, and take a quick reminder here, because uh, the apostle writes in verse 8, y'all got it this morning? If you got it, say, got it. Got it. All right, verse 8, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But now the phrase that can be confusing and maybe often debated found in the next verse, verse 11. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. All right. So we know that the last part of this verse, that which is in part, is talking about knowledge is in part. Prophecy is in part. And we might even go beyond that to say that the, the revelation, the knowledge, uh, the gifts are in part. But specifically, he deals here with what we know and what we speak, what we prophesy. It is in part. But in the first part of that, he says that which is perfect has come. Now, we'll come back to that in just a second. Verse 11, he goes on and says, when I was a child... I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. All right? Now, that, that reminds me of something um, something funny about the guy who, he said, you know, it said that a man, um, is, is, the man with several children who was uh, frantically picking up toys left in the yard by his children, he, he said, you know, it wasn't until I got married and had children did I understand the Scripture. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Uh, <laughs> so some of you dads, when you're out picking up the toys, you can just quote this and edify yourself uh, with it. When I became a man, I put away childish things, walking through the house or whatever. Uh, but Paul here is talking about a, a, literally a physical man. He was a child. He, he lived one way. He acted one way. When he grew up, when he became a man, he acted another way. All right? And then he goes on in verse 12 and he says, For now we see in a mirror. Now maybe we're children. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face we will become mature. Now I know in part, I'm a child now, but then I shall know just as I also am known. I will become an adult, I will mature and know as I am also known. Now let's go back to the phrase in verse 10. 
that which is perfect has come. I can think of three interpretations of this. One of them is that which is perfect has come is the New Testament. The New Testament canon, all of the Bible, the uh, canon is closed. Uh, There's no more scripture to be added to it. Some would interpret this to say that which is perfect is the New Testament. There's nothing more to add to it. All right. Um, A second understanding of this could be that which is perfect is when Jesus comes. That when Christ comes, he is the one who is perfect. That when that happens, uh, those things which are in part will be done away with. And going back to the former, when the New Testament canon came, that which is in part was done away with. So those are no longer necessary or needed in the church. A third interpretation that I would like to ask you to consider is the one that brings us back to Ephesians 4, where he talks about a perfect man. How long are grace gifts needed? Grace gifts are needed until we come to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Until we have reached that point, really, basically, you could say of glorification, that time in which we are with the Lord. So it is talking about perhaps as a third option, the perfect that has come or the perfect that will come is the maturing of the church to the point to where we are then uh, ultimately and finally with the Lord. The grace gifts are needed until that time. So I wanted to quickly talk to you about that and connect those two passages of Scripture because at least in doing that, the next time you're reading through 1 Corinthians 13 and you come to that phrase, until that which is perfect has come, at least now when you read that and you think about it, you'll have, oh yeah, I remember, there's three options. It's talking about the New Testament canon. Some people interpret it that way. Some people look at it like it's the coming of Christ. And also it could be talking about the church reaching maturity as the gifts are used in the church to uh, help us to do that. Okay, does that make sense to everybody? I want to, through doing that, just kind of... um, edify you a little bit i want to build you up in that way through god's word and through at least those explanations of that phrase so that you can rest a little more secure in it you don't have to wonder what it what it what it means but you actually have some options to go by and um the the connecting it to chapter four in ephesians because it is talking about grace gifts first corinthians 12 talking about gifts, grace gifts, and then it leads to that perfect. Ephesians 4, those grace gifts lead to a perfection, a completion. Then um, the two seem to align quite well together. Now let's go back to Ephesians 4. And look at uh, three points here from this passage of Scripture. All right, Three points that I have for you about grace gifts. And the first thing that we're going to see here is that grace gifts ground the church grace gifts ground the church rather than the church blowing around or being tossed by the waves we are a church that is grounded that is settled the people of God are settled and sure and we see this in verse 14 in verse 14 that we so 
we all come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. So you see waves here, waves of a sea and the storm being tossed back and forth. And then so we see waves, but we also see wind and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And now we might say we see the wiles of men by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So we see the Apostle Paul use these phrases to describe how men in the world uh, will try to cause us to go back and forth, to waver from the truth, to hold to this truth and then to hold to that truth, to hold to this half-truth or that half-truth, rather than to hold securely to the truth of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Now, I was just thinking about this with the cities uh, that are the regions even that some of these letters around Ephesians were written to. You Think about Galatia, the region of Galatia. Remember, you got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, who comes next? Colossians, that's right. So let's think about those four areas. Galatia. If you go to the region of Galatia in the New Testament time when Paul wrote to them, the thing that you might encounter there as a Christian is, oh, the gospel isn't enough. I've, I've got to hold to the law of Moses as well. Oh, I, I didn't know that. And you see, if you're not grounded, you say, well, what laws do I need to follow? And you start following the law of the Old Testament in order to be saved. In order to be a Christian. But then you go to Ephesus. Go to Ephesus in the time when Paul wrote. And there was a false god there, Artemis or Diana. And they would say, oh yes, this stone fell from heaven and it landed here. And this represents Artemis, Diana. We have a temple built for her. And you ought to worship Diana. For surely this stone has fallen from heaven. Oh, okay, if I've got to be right with God to, and I've got to you know, worship Diana to do that, that's, she's as much of a God as, as any God is, as, as the God of the Bible, so I'm going to worship her. No, you see, if you're not grounded in the truth, then you'll buy into that. Then you go to, what, Philippi? What might we find in Philippi when we go there? Well, there are these men there who have a girl who... Is, has a spirit of divination. You go talk to her and she can tell you the future. She can tell you what your life, what holds, is held for you in your life in the days of head. Just, just go ahead and go talk to her and pay her some money and you'll, you'll hear everything you need to hear. Oh, well, well, okay, if that's what I need to do. No, you see people who are grounded don't have to do that because you're grounded in the scriptures, in the truth of God's word. And then you go to Colossae the city of Colossae, and you go there and you say, oh, worship angels. Oh, a, 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 di- a deeper knowledge. A knowledge that's beyond what's written here. Oh, you're telling me I can go even deeper than that if I just follow your way. Kind of the seeds of Gnosticism. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll do that. See, that's what you'll do if, you don't, if you're not grounded in the truth of the Word of God. And what helps ground us? 
the grace gifts that God has given to the church to declare His Word and the truth of the Gospel. The second thing that we see in this is that grace gifts guide the church. Grace gifts guide the church. And we'll see this in verse 15. In the first phrase of it, it's 15a. So we've gone through this in verse 14 where we're grounded and we are helped in this being grounded by the grace gifts that Christ gives to the church. But having been grounded, they then guide us because we are speaking the truth in love. We are truthing, in other words. We are our lips and our lives align. The things that we say and the way that we live align together. First Ephesians 4.21 reminds us that the truth is in Jesus. And that is the place that we are going to find truth. That is the place where we will be settled in truth. And Jesus is the place where we will be guided in our truth and even in our dealings with one another. Speaking the truth in love. Now just think about these gifts. Apostles, prophets. Um, let's see, what was the other one? Evangelists, um, pastors and teachers are all speaking offices. They are all offices where they are taking the gospel and declaring it. They are taking the gospel and applying it, helping the church know how to apply it in their lives. So there is this real sense here with these gifts in Ephesians 4, where they are speaking the truth in love for the good of the church, for the building up of the body of Christ. And we as the church, are to do the same thing to one another, speaking the truth in love. You know, friends, that is one of the greatest ways that we can love one another. And that is the greatest way that we can love our neighbor, isn't it? By by helping them see the reality of the gospel for believers, the way it impacts our daily lives. But for the lost, how the gospel can save them. And we know that that gospel of God, it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the good news, isn't it? And that's why we're here. That's why we took the Lord's Supper together earlier today. It's because the gospel has become a reality in our lives. If you took of that supper, you're saying that that body of Jesus He laid that down for me. He laid His body down. He took it up again. He did that for my salvation. And then we see the cup, the blood of Jesus being shed on that cross. And that that blood that was shed, I deserve to shed my blood. I deserve to have to give my life because of what I have done. For the wages of sin is death. And I deserve death and eternal damnation from God. But yet Christ shed His blood for my sins. And because of that, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, He rose again. He did not stay in that grave. 
as a man who was dead. We do not go to a tomb and stand around that tomb as a memorial and worship the bones that are found in that tomb. But we worship a man who rose from the dead. He abolished death and he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has ascended back up into heaven and is forever at the right hand of God until he returns to this earth. And he is coming back one day. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is at the heart of what we are speaking and being toward one another. We're reminded perhaps of the gospel of John. And in the gospel of John, we see how this grace and truth came together in Jesus. Where we know that he talks there about the word that became flesh. And in verse 14, he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's right. And we speak the truth in love. And we see in in John chapter 1, verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Beloved, Jesus should be such a central part of our lives. That we are growing in maturity and we are growing in relationship with Him and we are growing in relationship with one another as we speak the truth to each other. The last point is this grace gifts grow the church. Grace gifts grow the church. Now, I'm not necessarily here, and I'm not talking about numerically. I don't, know that, I don't know if this is talking about numerically or not, but it's talking definitely about a growth. Ideally, for any church, if a church is going to be a healthy, thriving church, it should grow deeper. Its roots should grow deeper, but it should also grow wider. So there is a deeper growth in our theology and our understanding of God and His Word. You know, it's that till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So there is a a growing, a unifying that's taking place because we're hearing the same things, speaking the same things from God's Word. But there's also a breadth where we grow wider. The Lord tends to add to His church. In Acts chapter 2, the Lord added to His church daily those who were being what? Those who were being saved. That's right. And we would pray and hope and would expect that as the gospel continues to be be preached, that there are people who suddenly come to believe it by the grace of God. For you are saved by grace through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We would expect that these waters of of baptism would be stirred because people have heard the gospel and have believed in the message of the gospel, that they are no longer relying on self. They, Like I've told the kids at youth camp, it is a renunciation of self. It is a reliance on Christ. Salvation is a renunciation of self. You renounce self. You renounce everything you have to offer, everything you bring to the table. You renounce it, and you rely completely on Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. There's nothing else that is sufficient. There's nothing else that is finished before God to satisfy His wrath against us. 
Now in verse 15, this growing up, we'll see it as we read through this, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head. And who is it? Christ. All right. Now if you'll turn over to 523. Chapter 5, verse 23 in Ephesians. For Ephesians 5, 23, For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. You can turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. So who's the head? Who's the body? Okay, so did everybody get that? Because I'm not real confident everybody's got that. I've heard about six people. So seriously, I need us to make sure we're clear on this. Who is the head of the church? Who is the body of Christ? The church. And he is the head of the body, the church, who, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Does everybody know what preeminence means? What does that mean? Anybody know? First place. So that he can have first place. So Jesus is first place so that he can have first place. He is the head. He's not growing up into us. We are growing up into Him. Just like when a baby is born, the head of that baby is typically proportionally mostly the, the largest part of that baby. And the body begins to grow up into to fit that head. So it is here, we are growing up to fit the head, our head, Jesus Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body so Christ is the head from him, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body. For the edifying of itself in love. So we see here, folks, that uh, truth and love and the speaking of it are the formula for growth in the church. Where does this truth and love come from? Obviously from Christ. Where is it brought to the church or how is it brought to the church and taught to the church through the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And then the church takes that and lives it out among ourselves. And we see in this that every part, every joint, every part of the body matters. I've been talking to a couple of different people, and I realize this in my own life too. You know, our bodies are so uh, 
uh, intertwined. Every part of it is intertwined together. I was talking to somebody just yesterday about a toothache, how the toothache might even be causing knee pain to happen. Um, I was talking to somebody else recently about feet hurting and going to the doctors about feet. And I know my own personal self, my feet get to hurting sometimes. It just makes me feel bad all over. So our bodies are intertwined with one another. We know that from the way that we feel sometimes and what we experience. And he's laying out here the same thing in the church. How what you do and what I do and how I grow and how you grow, how you do your part and how I do my part, it all is intertwined together for the good or for the bad. And in this case, in verse 16, we see that it would be for the good. For the growth of the body, for the edifying of itself in love. Now, let's see how this progresses here. In verse 7, we see, but to each one grace was given. If you're a Christian this morning, have you received grace from Christ? Have you received it for salvation? Have you received it for ministry in the church? Have you? All right, we see also that he gave some to be apostles. Everybody's not going to have the speaking role. Everybody's not going to have a public speaking role. But we all do have a speaking role in that we are speaking the truth to one another in love. Verse 13, we see till it, we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We see in verse 14 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. Verse 16, we see that it is what every joint supplies. Maybe, maybe a better question for us is, do you realize you're a joint? Do you realize that, that you're a ligament? You're, a, you're, you're part of the body. You're an organ. You are a part of it. Verse 16, by which every part does its share. And then we see in verse 16, what does it do? It causes growth of the body. I want to exhort you now as, we, uh, as I wrap this up and just encourage you as so many of you are serving the Lord and growing and you know what it's obvious in so many of you it, and it is a blessing to see the Lord working in your life through his word so that you're growing and becoming more and more and more active and a part of the body um, and I want to encourage you to continue to seek the Lord continue to believe his word and continue to strive to be all that he's called you to be so some of you are still sitting on the sidelines. You're a fan rather than really playing in the game. You're sitting in the bleachers instead of being out on the field and participating. And I just want to remind you, like in Hebrews chapter 5, there are some of you that are being taught and you ought to be teaching. You've been taught and taught and taught and taught and taught and taught and taught, but you have to, you have to keep being taught instead of teaching anyone. There are some of you who need to continually be administrated when you ought to be administrating. You should be giving your gift in that way to administrate, to help guide the ship of the various ministries at the church by administrating. There are some of you that continually need to be helped when you ought to be the one who's helping. 
You're spending your life and going through life just getting, getting, getting instead of helping others and serving in the church. There's some of you who need to be ministered to continually, but you cannot minister to anyone because you are not a vessel that is fit for the master's use. And the Lord, through his word, is telling us that we've all got a place. There's some of you that need to continually be exhorted when you ought to be the one exhorting, helping others with your words. There are some of you who need to continually be given to rather than being those who give and do so generously. There are some of you who need to be led instead of leading as the Lord has gifted you to lead in various areas. And there are some of you who need to continue to have mercy given to you rather than being the vessel of mercy in other people's lives that need it as well. So I want to exhort you. I want to ask you, look at your life. See what is the area that you maybe need to repent of. Where are the areas that you are just continuing to take from the body rather than to give to the body? And now one more thing I want to say. We've had to some of our some of our young people baptized in recent days and a part of this church. And I want you to know just because you're a young person, that doesn't mean that you sit off on the sideline and you do nothing. If God's word is true and we believe that it is, that every person in Christ, each one has received a measure of grace and you have a gift that you are to use in the church for the good of the church. So you young people, you need to not slough off. You need to not think you have nothing to contribute. If you are a Christian, then according to God's word, this is what you must be doing as well. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for your word. And Father, I just pray, God, that uh, your word would be clear to us as we see it and see these grace gifts that are given here and how they are to ground us. God, we don't need to be blown around by all the stuff in the world. There's a lot of it out there, a lot of waves and a lot of wind and a lot of wiles that are out there. And Lord, we 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 got to be grounded. And I pray, Father, that you would use the gifts as they are here in this church to ground the people of New Life Baptist Church so we not so that we would not be like children. Father, I I pray that your these gifts that you've given would guide us in that we too are being a people who are speaking the truth to one another in love. And finally, Lord, I do pray that um, these gifts would grow us as we are speaking the truth to one another in love, as we are giving one another the word of God. And we're doing it because we love each other. I do pray, God, that we would grow up. And from, from the youngest Christian here to the oldest Christian, Father, let us grow up into Christ, into a perfect man, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.